Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. It's a great honor to bring you the message this morning. I wanted to say thank you to all those who have been so supportive in my journey of discernment to increase my ministry footprint here in FUMC Benville. It's a great blessing to be part of this church and to feel that support. The scripture I wanted to talk about this morning is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Listen for the word of God contained in the Holy Scripture. From there, Jesus went to the regions of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from those territories came out and shouted, Show me mercy, son of David. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. But he didn't respond to her at all. His disciples came and urged him, Send her away. She keeps shouting after us. And Jesus replied, I've been sent to the lost sheep the people of Israel. But she knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not good to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off their master's table. And Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. It will be as you wish. And right then her daughter was healed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, may the meditation, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. So I don't know about you, but I have always been a little uncomfortable with this story. Does anybody else feel a little uncomfortable when they read this? And the, so I know some of you, most all of you are doing your homework and you're reading Matthew. And so you probably already read this story. One of the, the uh, commentators I read in one of our reference Bibles said, this story makes Christians more uncomfortable than almost any story in the Gospels. And uh, mainly it's because Jesus seems to be being rude to this woman and calling her a dog. But I want to unpack this story a little bit. I think it's very important to our uh, work today, to our being accepted in the kingdom today. And I want to unpack that and talk a little bit about that this morning. I want to start by looking at what was going on before uh, Jesus and his disciples came to this woman. Why, are, why is Jesus and the disciples in the district of Tyre and Sidon where there's a really great chance of running into a Gentile? This is a Gentile territory. So you might expect to see a Gentile if you go to a Gentile territory. The main reason Jesus is in this country as he is not getting along with the powerful leaders of the synagogue. He's had several run-ins with the synagogue leaders, the, the insiders, if you would say, might say. So in the first chapter in the book of Matthew, I'm sorry, in uh, the first part of the book, uh, chapter 12 in the book of Matthew, the religious leaders ask Jesus for a sign, and Christ responds by calling them an evil and adulterous generation. And you might imagine that did not ingratiate him to these uh, powerful insiders in the synagogue. And then Jesus went to his hometown and he tries to preach. 
He's in Nazareth. And they respond to, uh, isn't this the carpenter's son? We know his family. We know his brothers and sisters. We know his dad, the carpenter. And the scripture tells us in Matthew 13, uh, verse 58, that he was unable to do many miracles because of their disbelief. Jesus required faith for those that were to be healed and saved. Faith in his divine power. And finally, the event that really drove Jesus and the disciples into the land of the Gentiles was a run-in with the Pharisees and scribes over the tradition of the elders. So this is a ceremonial or a ritual washing of the hands that they did before eating. And they come to Jesus and they say, why don't your disciples wash before they eat? So this was a ceremony. It was a very elaborate ceremony. And it really wasn't for cleansing. It was just a, a, a ritual, a ceremony, as I said. Now, uh, this was not a commandment of God. The religious leaders of the day had taken the laws that applied to the priests. The priests did a ceremonial washing before they went into the holies of holies. And the religious leaders reasoned, well, if it's good enough for the priests, it's good enough for everyone. And they said, everyone should do this ceremonial washing before eating. The concept they were using then was called building a hedge around the Torah. Protecting the Torah, really. And uh, this is a theology that I would call better safe than sorry theology. Has anybody run into anybody that had a better safe than sorry theology? So basically, if you meet someone and they say, well, I know this isn't expressly talked about in the Bible, but I'm going to do this rule because better safe than sorry. I always thought that was a silly thing, really. If the rule is wrong... How are you safe? That, doesn't, that didn't make any sense to me. But when I was growing up, I'll tell you, we had one of those better safe than sorry rules. I was not allowed to go to see a movie in a movie theater. We called it the movie house. We had the church house and the movie house. And you could go to the church house, but not the movie house, because that was a sin. Now, there's no commandment anywhere that says... Thou shalt not go to the Malco Twin and watch a movie and have popcorn and drink a Coca-Cola. This was the tradition of the elders. Someone sometime had said, movies are, are sinful. I never got to go to a movie. I'm a little bitter about it to this day because now at my home church, the youth group goes as a group to see movies. See, that got thrown away after I was there. But I, I was in college before I went to, to a movie house to see a movie. I've kind of made up for it since then. I've gone to a lot of movies. But there are entire denominations, beloved, who are based on this idea of better safe than sorry. These denominations are using the traditions of the elders. But Jesus is having none of this, and he says, you're ignoring real commandments of God, and you're placing undue burdens on people, and he called them hypocrites. And he told them, Isaiah has prophesied rightly about you when he said, the people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. The reference, if you look at this in a reference Bible, it'll take you back to Isaiah, the first chapter of Isaiah 13, where God, through the prophet Isaiah, says, bringing offerings is futile, incense is an abomination to me, your new moons and your appointed festivals my soul hates, they become a burden to me, I am weary of them. God, through the, through the prophet Isaiah, is telling his people, 
I'm not interested in your rituals and your forms of religion if your hearts are not right. You're not taking care of the widow and you're not, you're not comforting the orphan. Get your hearts right. Get the love right. I don't care about the ritual. After this, Christ calls all the people together and he preaches to the crowd and he tells them it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles, it's what comes out of the mouth. The words that come out of your heart are what defile you. And this was really the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. So in verse 12 of chapter 15, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, do you know that the Pharisees took offense at what you said? No, no kidding. <laughs> he called them hypocrites and said they were putting undue burdens on the people. In other words, the disciples were saying to Jesus, you have really offended these powerful insiders. We better lay low. We better go somewhere else. And that is how they go across the lake and go into the, the regions of, of Tyre and Sidon and where they run into this Canaanite woman. So that brings us to our story. Um, and the Canaanite woman is an outsider for many reasons. Um, she calls out to Jesus in her distress uh, for her daughter, and uh, the Gospel of Matthew tells us it was a young daughter, and she asked Christ to heal her daughter. Now, this woman is an outsider in a number of ways. First of all, she's a woman. That was a bad choice on her part, is what you're, right? She, she was not supposed to talk to men at this time. Right? And so that, that makes her an outsider. She's a Gentile, and she's also a foreigner. She's a foreigner in this land. And, she, and Matthew says she's a Canaanite, and the Canaanites are sworn enemies of the Jews. So she is an outsider's outsider. But notice what she says when she calls out to Jesus. She says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, notice this is outsider is calling Jesus the son of David. This places Jesus in the genealogy of King David. And she might as well have come out and said, Jesus, Messiah, have mercy on me. And notice what she doesn't say. She doesn't say, Jesus, show me a sign and I'll believe. Or Jesus, why don't your disciples engage in ritual washing? She recognizes who Jesus is. She places him as the Messiah, and then she asks for mercy. And then something really important happens. You can miss this verse because it's a short verse. Verse 23, Jesus does not answer her. And I believe this silence of Jesus is really important to the story. I think Jesus in his silence is thinking. He's measuring this woman's faith. The New Testament scholar, George A. Buttrick, comments on this small verse, and he says, In silence, Jesus searches our hearts. And the silence is then more potent than speech. In silence, Jesus searches his own heart. It may be that this is the reason he doesn't answer the Canaanite woman. I believe Christ is looking into this woman's heart. He's seeing her tenacious faith. He's seeing the love of her daughter, and he's seeing the fact that she recognizes who he is. And I can't help but believe that he's thinking, I've gone to those church insiders, and they've rejected me. And here's this outsider who's recognizing me and has faith in me. He's comparing that, I think. 
Now, the disciples do not show an overabundance of compassion here. They say, send her away. She's bothering us. And I think the disciples get a bad rap. Sometimes they say wonderful things as the Holy Spirit reveals things to them, and they do wonderful things, but they are men of their time in their culture. And women just didn't speak to men. If you remember the woman at the well, they come up and they say, Jesus, why are you talking to this woman? You know, that just wasn't done. And so that tradition is what, where they're bound. They didn't understand. Why is Jesus tolerating this woman speaking to us? And Jesus says something. that I, This is the most troubling thing about the whole story to me. It's in verse 24. Jesus says, I've been sent only to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. Does anybody have a problem with that verse? Yeah, you know, Pastor Michelle, I, I told Pastor Michelle the other day, I said, you wrestle with the scripture like a rabbi, but she's not a rabbi. <laughs> We're not in the house of Israel. We're the Gentiles. I hope that didn't hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> so Jesus says, I've been sent to the lost sheep, the people of Israel, and I can't help but imagine that He's remembering again, like I said, he's remembering, I've gone to the lost sheep, the house of Israel, and they rejected me. And they asked for a sign. And they didn't have faith, and I couldn't do the miracles I wanted to do. But here's an outsider who comes out and says, Son of David, have mercy on me. This outsider's not asking for a sign. She's not asking for a ritual. She says, I, Son of David, have mercy. And then Jesus says something that is disturbing again. He says, he compares the woman to a dog. He says, uh, you know, well, is it meat to give the food of the children to the dogs? Now, you should know that at that time, there's a lot of rabbinical writing which compares or refers to Gentiles or other non-Jewish people as dogs. The rabbis usually use the Greek word for rabid dogs, wild dogs of the plains. Jesus at least uses the Greek word for a cute puppy or a beloved pet. He's at least giving her that, you know, that much. You're a, you're a, you're a cute puppy, but I can't give you the children's food. But this woman is not deterred. She turns around on Christ with a very witty comeback, and she says, Yes, Jesus, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. Now, this is a very outsider thing to say because only in a Greek household would a dog be under the table. This would never happen in a Jewish home. So this outsider is using an outsider situation to beg Christ for mercy. And she's saying, Lord, I'll take the outsider portion of your mercy and that will be enough. She's saying, Lord, I don't need the filet mignon of the children. I'll take the crumbs and that'll be enough healing for my daughter. And Jesus responds by saying, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, I believe the persistent faith of this woman changes Christ's mind. The human side of Christ had a plan. Now, all right, who has done their homework in their Matthew reading? What did Jesus say when he sent the disciples out to them? Does anybody remember? It's a pop quiz. He said, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to any Samaritan village. I have come to the lost children the sheep of Israel. I've come to the lost sheep, the children of Israel. 
So Jesus had a plan. I'm going to preach to the, to the Jewish nation. I'm going to convert the Jewish nation. But they rejected him. And here's an outsider who says, Oh, Lord, son of David, have mercy on my daughter. And I believe this faithful outsider releases Jesus to minister to the, to the Gentiles. Opens his mind to ministering to the Gentiles. And there's evidence of that because in the very next verse, it says, Gentiles brought their sick to him and he healed many and many were saved. And he fed 4,000 Gentiles. He just, you remember, he fed 5,000 uh, of the Israelites. He's now feeding 4,000 Gentiles who were hungry for the mercy and love of God. Christ opened the floodgates of mercy and we're all welcome to the table. Christ rejects building a hedge around the Torah. And when we read this story in the context of what Christ told the inside of the synagogue, we hear Christ saying, I don't care about your rituals. I don't care about your rules. I want you to get your love right. I want you to get your hearts right. And you and I, beloved, are birthrights of this Canaanite woman's great outsider faith. So this morning, the question for us is, who should we exclude from this table? I believe Christ is saying to us, don't get the rules right, don't get the ceremony right, get the love right, get the relationship right. Reach out to the outsiders. I'm going to say something kind of bold here, but I think at the very heart of the discussion the Methodist church is having, the trouble we're having, the split we're having, is about this disagreement. Some of us want to know, who do I exclude? What are the rules? And some of us want to say, no, let's get the love right, let's get the heart right, and the rules will take care of themselves. Christ is telling us in this story, I've turned the world upside down, and I'm calling on you to get the love right and to welcome all to my table of love. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.